Hello and welcome to the Grace Point Henderson podcast. My name is Parker and I serve as a lead pastor at Grace Point Church in Henderson, Kentucky. This is a continuation of our series to the book of 1 Peter, Living Hope, and an exposition from one of our elders, Paul Willett, in 1 Peter chapter number 2, verses 4 through 8. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Grace Point Henderson podcast. Last week we stopped off at uh, verse 3 of First Peter chapter 2. So if you would turn with me to First Peter chapter 2. And this week we'll, we will be in verses 4 through 8. First Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 8. And we heard last week that God's holy word gives us life. And that we, sh- we should have as believers in Christ, have a hunger for God's Word. So let me just start off with a question. Do you have to tell an infant to desire milk? I know Parker and Ashley, I'm sure they quite know that well right now. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like in newborn infants, we should long for the spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good and in some translations gracious. What a gracious God that we serve. Just like a baby when it's born hungers for milk, born again Christians, we should not have to be told over and over and over again to hunger for God's Word. We should have a desire to read God's Word, study God's Word. You don't have to teach a newborn infant to eat, and you should not have to constantly press and press believers to hunger for the Word of God. Warren Wiersbe said it this way, that we should have the appetites for the Word of God like newborn infants that of milk. Like a newborn infant, newborn infant, when you stick the bottle in his mouth, it knows what to do. In the same way that believers in Christ, we should long for God's word so that we grow up strong in the word, craving the sweetness that truly can be found by the grace of God and through his divinely inspired word. We should not continually have to give just over and over exhortation messages or develop programs to try and get spiritual babies into the Word of God. Christians, get into the Word of God. Learn the whole counsel of God, the Lord from creation to revelation. For it is truly active, it's a two-edged sword that will change your life. So if you would please turn with me again to 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 8 for the reading of God's word. As you come to him a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. 
So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. When we come to Christ, we come to Him alone. In your sin, it is my sin alone to bear, it's your sin to bear alone. It's not your mom's sin to bear alone. It's not your father's sin to bear for you. It's our sin, singularly. It's your sin that has been paid ransom by the blood of Christ on the cross. Our mother didn't save us, nor did your father. It was not because you went to church and your Aunt Susie or prayed a prayer to make Grandmama happy. Just because you show up week to week doesn't make us a Christian. It is through repentance and faith in Christ. Repentance of sin and faith in Christ that died on the cross, believing in His bodily resurrection, that it was enough. It is trusting that when Christ said it is finished, satisfying the wrath that we each deserve, it is through this redeeming work that you, that I, may have eternal life. If you believe in the finished work of Christ, that is what saves. So verse 4 says, simply in the singular, As you come to Him, it says, as you come to Him. And if you have not come to Him, come to Him. It was not the ethnic Israel that is saved or just the Gentiles. It is those, verse 4, it says, chosen and precious, who believe in Christ crucified that belong to Jesus. It says, as you come to Him. The verse does not say, as we come to Him as Or as your family comes to Him, the salvation you have received, chosen precious from the Lord, is singular. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7, one of my favorite verses of the Old Testament, speaks of Christ prophetically in this regard. He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Church, we are incapable of dying the death that Christ died on our behalf. But when we are, who are also chosen and precious like that of the living stone Jesus, in verse 5, we become righteous through Christ's death and resurrection by repenting of sin and trusting in him by faith. Therefore, as you come to him, you can be made righteous through him. It is our sovereign God and creator of the universe that saves, but there's still the responsibility of man to singularly come to him. In response to his calling believers to repent again, it is your sin and is your sin alone to bear. That is the concern, that each of us will give an account of himself to God in Romans chapter 4 verse 12. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said it this way about this verse, that we should be always coming to Christ. We have come to Him. We are coming to Him. And we will keep on coming to Him. And coming just as you are, that is the best style of coming. Come as you are. 
The only connection concerning the saints, the privileges that we have, the blessings we get, the good choices we make are only and truly enjoyed through union with the Lord. And the closer we come to Him and resting in His sacrifice that only He could make, you yourselves are being built up, verse 5, as a spiritual house. These verses are extremely challenging. The reason why they're challenging is because there's so much of the Old Testament in it, in it that, that early scholars seem to have some even mixed feelings and views and, of this. This non-scholar alike had a little bit to understand this. Because they point to so much of the Old Testament, there's three places in the Old Testament that Peter is exhorting in this, in this section. Verse 6, verse 7, and verse 8. Verse 6, if you want to take notes on this, is Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, and verse 6. Verse 7 is Psalm 118, verse 22. And verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 2 is verse, uh, verse 8, again, is a stumbling... A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense is quoted from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14. Peter is reading his Old Testament here. And he also calls to attention for us the word stone in each one of these verses. Three times in verses 6 through 8, the word stone. So the question we should asking is, be asking here is, why did Peter do this? Why did Peter bring out these Old Testament verses for us? He obviously has, has something to show us here. The first Old Testament example called to our attention emerges when Jesus is identified as the living stone. That's hence the title of this message, Christ the living stone. Jesus is undoubtedly called the living stone because of his glorious resurrection from the dead. When we come as little babies, infants, to this little this living stone Jesus, chosen of God and precious. In the same way, we believers are living stones because of our faith in this resurrected King. So let's take a look at Matthew. When Jesus said to Peter, after confessing on this rock, I will build my church, and Peter makes it completely clear to us that the living stone is not Peter. It's not him. It's Jesus Christ himself. This is very important for us to see in this passage, that the living stone is Christ. Peter is referring in Matthew here that where Jesus told the parable of the tenants, some of us may be familiar with what that is, that know that a tenant is a person who occupies land or property that, that they have rented from a landlord. The verses I'm about to read is about where the master sent his workers into possibly the woods or the forest of the, or of the farm to get fruit. And the tenants beat them. And then the landlord sent the son and they said, here is the heir of this landlord, this landowner, so let's kill him. They killed the son of this landlord. Why? They had the idea if they killed the son, the whole farm would be theirs. None of us have ever had this idea if we get somebody out of the way for something that we can be in charge. 
or really get somewhere in this life. So the question from Peter telling us how interpreted, Jesus interpreted what happened is in Matthew chapter 21, verse 42 through 44, with emphasis on verse 43. Jesus said to them, Jesus' words now saying to them, speaking to his apostles from about from the Psalms, he said, Have you ever read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. And it, he asked this question then, as, and is it marvelous in our eyes? Verse 43, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, Jesus. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So this, stunt, this son that was just killed, this landowner's son, was, the, was this rejected son. Peter understood this stone that the builders rejected in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 has become the cornerstone. And we see from Matthew chapter 21, verse 42, that this was the Lord's doing. It was the Lord's doing that Jesus, the cornerstone, would be sent to men, be rejected, ultimately killed, die for our sins, and rise again. This should really be marvelous in our eyes. So Peter was all wound up here to go to Isaiah chapter 8 and, and Psalm 118 to give us these examples of this suffering servant Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. In Acts chapter 4, verse 10 through 11, Peter refers to this same point of connection where religious leaders rejected Christ, but God in His sovereignty raised Jesus up to be the cornerstone. Acts chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. Verse 10, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by His by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus, as the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. These religious leaders despised Jesus so much they crucified him. Theologian Tom Schreiner said this about the matter Matthew implied, however, that the slaying of Jesus is not the last word. For he becomes the cornerstone, which almost certainly points to his resurrection. You can see clearly that in Matthew chapter 21 verses 42 through 44 and Acts chapter 4 verse 10 through 11, that Peter also citing uh, Psalm 118 verse 11, that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This points to the rejection of Jesus as the cornerstone that was ultimately fulfilled through his death. Jesus is God's chosen. And just as Jesus was chosen by God, those who come to Christ are also chosen by God, precious, made in his image. This is completely contrast to being chosen by human beings, where Jesus was utterly rejected. Another person didn't choose you and say, well, I think they'll be, a good, they'll be a great little Christian. No. 
The Holy Spirit grabbed us in the middle of our mess and said, You belong to me because you are chosen and precious in the sight of God who created you. And Jesus is ultimately still being rejected by many. And believers are still being rejected by many. And you as believers are always going to be and continue to be rejected by many. So what are the implications of this verse that you might ask? One is that Christ still is rejected by men. One of my favorite quotes in regard to this, and some of you have heard it from me probably, is that the heart of the matter, the the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. It is this unregenerated heart, untouched by the Holy Spirit, that is the problem. I probably shared this quote, but these words give us good indication from why Jesus, the stone that was rejected then and is still the cornerstone that is rejected now. It is the unregenerated heart, untouched by the Holy Spirit, that is the problem. The Apostle Paul understood this about his own corrupted heart when he said, this is in the book of Romans chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. This is a familiar verse. I speak of myself when I, when I read this. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. To the Apostle Paul and even Timothy, Jesus was the most precious. Chosen by God. Is God. But for those who believe in His death, burial, and resurrection, He truly is the most precious to us because we understand the the depths of our own depravity. That while we were still wallowing in our sin and our despair, we know that Jesus has paid our ransom. There's not another place in the New Testament Scripture where, that Christ's followers are called living stones. Three places in Scripture, believers are referred to as God's temple or house, but the picture for us to see is that believers are what make up the stones that make the building, that make the church. This temple or house is a spiritual being because it is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, hence the terminology of the living stone. Another implication for us is from this verse is for us to understand that we as Christians that make up the living stone are being built up into this spiritual house. We're being built up into this spiritual house. The Lord basically said to Peter that you are going to be a little stone. But on this foundation stone, here it is, that, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Church, you are one of these chosen stones. And I am one of these chosen stones. Church, and one of these, being one of these precious stones requires something of us. 
I couldn't help but look at this sort of literally. When I think of a stone, you know, you think of this inanimate object that you skip across the pond. I did that when I was a kid. Who skipped a rock, you know? We've all done this, this inanimate object. We've thrown them. We've done all kinds of stuff with these, these stones. I got this, as a kid, I got in trouble at my grandmother's house because uh, I used to go out in her backyard and pick the roundest little stone I could find. I got in trouble now and picked up a, uh, I'm maybe telling something here I shouldn't to these kids that are in here, but I hit them with a baseball bat like I was playing home run derby into the neighbor's yard. I know some of you have done that. But these stones, not the kind of stones, are not the kind of stones that Peter's talking about. He's talking about living stones. You are a small spiritual stone that make up this big foundation in which God has said you are chosen and precious. And like Peter, God is telling us to go and build my church. Christian, this requires something of you. It requires something of me and requires something of us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 is a good summary of this section. Hence the title of this message that Christ is the living stone. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Here it is. Why? To be a holy priesthood. Now there may be some of us that simply do not see and maybe even outright reject that Christians can be both priests and the temple or house that is only priest in some way, the only ones that can minister to others in the temple. When we think of a temple, we think of a dwelling place, a brick and mortar building with walls and a roof on it. Before Christ, this may have been so as a holy place. But Christians, here Peter did not make a reference to believers as priests that actually are living in this literal temple. This is a spiritual nature. There's a spiritual nature to this temple or house because it is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. The focus is immaterial in nature. It's not a literal house. It is literally not a temple where Christians, they reside only in this house. As believers, as this is a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Believers, you are the dwelling place of God. The dwelling place of God is not a building. The significance of this holy priesthood is that God is truly the one building His church. God is building His church. As the dwelling place of God, the church has both a ministry and a status. Our standing before God is the first one as a spiritual house and holy priesthood from verse 5 that is being built up. Peter gives us validation through these verses that a, there's a, if you want to write this down, sorry I don't have a PowerPoint up there today, but um, Peter gives us validation through these verses of four things. That we find through these verses. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people that belong to God. So how often do we get this notion that 
as a chosen people, it is us in our power that is building the church. Or that is our schemed up programs that is building his church. Or hard-earned money that is building his church. Or even our working hard within this facility that is building his church. Those are all things that help. But that's not what's building his church. He is. Christians neither does the pastor define the church. I'm sorry to say that if you're only here to follow the pastor, to follow him, me, or any of the elders, you are meeting here for the wrong reason. We are to give you a biblical model to follow as those who are following Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ with that mindset. It is our hopes that you are here because you love Christ and His Word in fellowship with the saints, worshiping God together. We are fallible men led by an infallible God. We are fallible men led by an infallible God. It is in Christ and through His Word that defines the church. It is under the headship of Christ with Him as the cornerstone of our faith, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Verse 6. After Peter validates for us who we are again, chosen, precious, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we belong to God, he then tells us what we're to do with it. First off, we are those that have received mercy and extend mercy to those that have not received the grace of God. By this, Peter is telling us that we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus as those chosen by God, placed in fellowship with the Lord, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We have been given close fellowship with God and to the point of being, here it is, priestly. Peter citing from the book of Exodus of the covenant promises with Israel that he has redeemed them from the grips of Egypt and to himself at Mount Sinai. Peter's claiming that as the people of God, we are to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. And as a kingdom of priests, this requires of us to go to the nations with the gospel. As a holy nation, to the nations. To ultimately bless the nations. Not because we are holy, but because He is holy. The implications of this for us today is almost staggering when we dwell on it with the similarities of our time. Especially right now, the time that we are living in. The people of Israel broke the covenant of God, defiling themselves while becoming idolatrous. Sound familiar? Then God delivered judgment on the people where they were, were my people. They became low am I, or no people, meaning they were no longer the holy people of God. But God made Israel holy instead of shame, given glory, instead of being no people. Through repentance and obedience, restoration came and they once again became my people. 
Peter exclaimed through this proclamation that the temple of this new covenant with God is now a spiritual temple. It's not a dwelling place. It's not this brick and mortar building. It's this spiritual temple. Think of what Peter is really saying here. I heard it best from a quotation from John Piper. He said it this way about Peter, what it may may have been talking about here. He said, I'm asking these people to follow Jesus in in the life he led, a life of rejection in order that they might also enjoy a life in glorification and the imagery of the rejected cornerstone. Church, the word of God is challenging us through the writing of Peter to do the same. Follow the ways of Christ. The rejected stone, rejected by men, you are precious and chosen, a living stone, a spiritual house, holy, therefore go and offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus in my name to the nations to bless the nations. You, like Jesus, the cornerstone of our faith, are precious, and even though you might suffer for the sake of Christ, living a life of rejection, you will not be put to shame and glory with Christ. Believer, this is you. This is me. If you have not thought about this, I ask you to count the cost. Count the cost of following Christ and what it requires of you. The cost of following Jesus, the living stone rejected by men. And you will be rejected by men as Christians, as followers of Christ. That's what it means to follow Christ. The call from Peter is to draw near to Christ as a living stone. Christ was rejected and is now alive in you the same way. A spiritual house. We are to participate with Christ. And Christ being... And it is to bring others out of the spiritual darkness that once you resided. God is putting all these little stones together. These little bitty stones that we're talking about. All these little stones together. Each one of us with a purpose to be the corporate temple, the church. Together we are called a holy, royal priesthood with one common direction. With this comes offering spiritual sacrifice. And what are those, you might ask? What are some spiritual sacrifices? One example is in the book of Philippians. We know that the Philippians sent money to Paul as a spiritual sacrifice. In Hebrews, the sacrifice is the praises given to God. In Romans chapter 1, here it is. The spiritual sacrifice is ourselves. It is our bodies that we are to give as living sacrifices. I like to put it in simple terms. We've heard this preached before. The time, talent, and resources. How we use our time and talent and resources says a lot about who we are in Christ. Whether we're with the world or we're, we're, we're with Jesus. This I'll go, I'll go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. It says, so put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and envy. We heard this last week. These are traits of someone in and of the world that says this life is all about me. It's all about what I can get to get what I want. Someone that does not give of themselves, they're being malicious and deceitful to get what they want. Some, Some come to church on Sunday 
but are a hypocritical witness the rest of the week throughout the world. Not in the body of Christ. We need to be a witness to those each, each day of the week, not just on Sunday. The priesthood that Peter is talking of today is not like the priest of the Old Testament sacrificial system. We hear this from Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 that uh, it is impossible for the, the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. The, the priesthood that we share in with Christ is a life of obedience and praise to God. These are things that are acceptable to God through Jesus. This is our spiritual sacrifice. That This is very old imagery that we're talking about here from the Old Testament, where we are made living stones that have been given life and when we truly have God that is dwelling in us. Verse 7, it says, So the honor is for you who believe. The honor is for you who believe. This Again, this is a quotation from Psalm 118. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So it's very obvious here that there are two kinds of people that are being contrasted here and being talked about in, in Peter, by Peter, quoting Psalm 118. You can read along with you, you can see it. First, there's the one who believes, and secondly, the, there's the one who does not believe. Now we've already heard from verse 4 where Peter has said, like the living stone who is clearly Jesus was rejected by men it was in the sight of God is chosen and precious. Therefore the one who is precious in verse 4 is the one who has honor in verse 7 being talked about here by Peter. Therefore the one who is precious it's because they believe the gospel. The term here where Jesus is precious to those who believe in him is to, in contrast to those who do not believe. This should be very pr profound to us and have very personal meaning to each one of us in Christ. And I hope everyone here today is considering this for ourselves. When we first found Jesus precious, we responded in faith that Christ became the cornerstone on which we then built our life. The cornerstone of Jesus, that Jesus Christ is where we build our life as when we come to Christ. Every one of us here knows someone that is in contrast to this, living like this. They simply find the words of Christ to be unloving, hateful, judgmental, with resentment to the word of God. Living a life of disobedience, hatred, and wickedness. This is what Peter's referring to in verse 8 by quoting Isaiah chapter 8 where he says, The living stone will become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. The believer is honored and valued by God for their trust in him by faith in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Backing up to verse 7, the stone the builders rejected are the ones who rejected Jesus Christ as the head of the church. The cornerstone, the capstone, the keystone of the foundation in which all things begin. Jesus Christ rejected as the cornerstone by those who cannot see him as chosen and precious, 
find no reason to obey God's word because they have simply no fear of the Lord. We look around, we see people today, no fear of the Lord. It's because they, again, have not been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Their heart has not been changed by the Holy Spirit. That's why they have no fear of the Lord. This word disobey in verse 8 is the gospel. This good news that was preached, we heard previously in chapter 1, verse 25. Every one of us, again, we have friends, we have family, co-workers, even people in this church right now that do not follow Jesus. They stumble because they disobey. Verse 8. They disobey the word. Here it is. They disobey the word because they were destined to do so. It's right there in his word. I have family that has passed away. That never talked about Jesus. You all have family that passed away that never talked about Christ. There was nothing about them that says, I follow Jesus. They disobeyed the word of God. Outright rejected God. Blind to the beauty of Christ. Most of you can say this very same thing. This brings about the urgency of the gospel before us. I mean, where do you think they are destined We don't want to talk about these things because they are hard. We are not reading God's word for what it says and flippantly in some cases making up our own meaning. Listen church, all throughout these verses we are given language that points to the sovereignty of God. Jesus is this precious and chosen cornerstone. Believer, you are chosen and precious as a living stone yourself. The point of verse 8 from Peter is to show us that those who disobey the word of God are destined to stumble. To which they were destined is telling us of their unbelief. They were destined to it. They rejected God. Why? Our sovereign God and creator, the author and perfecter of our faith, only knows the why. This does not mean at all in any way that we are not to go and preach Christ crucified. To all and all who believe are saved. Regardless of whether you want to read it for what it says, that the people of God are chosen and precious, or even that with pride maybe, the read that this verse says that they were destined to it, to not believe. The fact of the matter is that God triumphs even as some reject Him. God triumphs even though some reject Him. Some reject His word that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Some deny this, that all of the, the entirety of God's word is true. There are two things here that we must face. We embrace this chosen and precious stone, Jesus Christ, or we reject Him. There simply is no middle ground. Will you stumble through this life and see Jesus as a rock of offense, disobeying His word? Will you stumble through this life and see Jesus and snub Him? Just like it was no accident 
and part of God's design that I would repent and trust the Lord at 38. It's the same for you who are here today. Embrace the gospel message. Jesus, precious and chosen. That Christ died on the cross, was buried, and after three days He was resurrected and ascended to heaven. That He conquered sin and death, paying a ransom for your sin, my sin. Something that you cannot earn or you can never repay. That He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin, took upon this sin that we deserved. So that we might become righteous through Him. This precious living stone Jesus. This cornerstone who died on the cross. For you, for me. Believe it. In the sight of the Lord, you are chosen and precious. You are chosen and precious. If you have not yet put your faith in Christ... Today is the day of salvation. Jesus is the cornerstone. We sang about it earlier. The name above all names. Trust Him and be saved. Let's pray. Well, thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Grace Point Henderson podcast. For more information about Grace Point Church, go to gracepointhenderson.com. Or you can search us on Facebook by searching Grace Point Church Henderson. And if you live in the Henderson, Kentucky area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1015 a.m. For all of our listeners, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode of the Grace Point Henderson podcast.